Amen. Good morning, church. I'm glad to be here today to worship our Lord and Savior with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to do our welcoming time uh, this morning. Lord Jesus, uh, I'm just excited to be here today, God, to worship you, uh, to lift our voices in song to you, Lord, to dig into your word and uh, learn more about you today. I'm thankful that we're here, uh, Lord. Just bless our time with one another as we worship you, Lord, and in all things we give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
flag here. And we are starting off the service with baptism this morning. I mean, I, I told him that we could go down to the river today, but he didn't want to. I don't know. Come on in here, buddy. All right. You're going to walk up there and sit right there. They filled this thing up. We're going to have a tidal wave here, I'm just telling you. All right. This is a, this is, a you want, is that wash waterproof? I'm assuming yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm going to hold my hand right here. All right. Now, so Kenny, here's the big question, young man. Have you professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. All right. Baptism is extremely important. Baptism is your outward profession of an inward change that has already happened. It's a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a picture of his old life dying and him being raised to walk in newness of life as a new creation in Christ. It's extremely important. It's his first act of obedience and being obedient to the gospel call. So, Kenny, on your profession of faith and in keeping with his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Less water, deacons, right? <laughs> Congratulations. We got any more towels? Do we have any more towels by any chance? We're bringing more towels, okay. <laughs> I love it. That, that Hey, at least it's warm, right? At least it's warm. All right, we got some more towels coming. All right, and if you want to go back out that way, Without getting electrocuted, okay? You don't want to go to heaven right away. We want, to, we want to wait a while before you get to heaven, okay, Kenny? All right. All right, so I'm glad to do that this morning. Uh, here's, here's just a few announcements. You know we're taking orders uh, for strawberries. So I know it's, uh, the note says we need orders bad. I don't know. Uh, this, is, this is for Valentine's Day. All the money goes to missions, so we're going to start the order form on this side of the church. Kids, go ahead and sign up and sign your parents' names to it. It's okay. All right, here's a, here's a thank you card this morning. Um, this is from uh, Gail, uh, Gail Brown and Mark. They, what is the name of the place they own? It's Anna's House. You guys went caroling. A bunch of you went caroling to Anna's house, and they just wanted to share a thank you card that it was a blessing to, to the, them that we went caroling there this year. And so they wanted to thank you guys uh, for that. So here's a, a little bit on our announcements. Uh, women's Bible study. There's a new women's Bible study about ready to start. It's called he, His Where the Joy Is. He's Where the Joy Is. Abby, you got, where's Abby at? A little information on that real quick, Abby. So if you want a book for the new women's study, please see Abby. Uh, we'll order a couple of extra, of course, but if you'd like one, if, if the, the cost of the book is an issue, please just tell me. It's really no big deal for us to get some books also. So uh, discipleship, I want to remind you, men's discipleship, if you're wanting to be discipled, they've started discipleship every Sunday afternoon from 4.30 to 5.30 downstairs. This will probably be the last week that I announce it because they've started it 
uh, already. So if you want to attend that, 4.30 to 5.30. And then tonight, they have men's Bible study right after that at 6 o'clock. So men's Bible study tonight also at 6 o'clock. Fish fry. I see some people have already started fishing for this. I had some people ask me this morning about this. We are going to have an outreach fish fry here at the church on Saturday, Saturday, March 5th. So go fishing, catch some fish, save them. Uh, We'll have all the guys will come in and we'll fry up a whole bunch of fish. It is going to be an outreach, so we're going to try to be sharing the gospel with people that day. Uh, it's, It's a church activity. I know Mike is, Mike's in charge of our outreach events. He's going to probably be coming around and saying, hey, will you help me for this? Uh, So be ready for him to approach you about helping for this activity. So mark your calendars if you can. Saturday, March 5th, it'll be here before we know it. Uh, You Sunday, before that, you Sunday is going to be here real quick. You Sunday is February 13th. After the morning service, we have an auction. I'm not an auctioneer, okay? But I usually do the auction, and I will bid you up. We will bid you up. It's a blast. If you've never went, it's so much fun. And we raise money for the youth to go to camp uh, and for all of their activities throughout the year. And then the youth feed us dinner. Uh, they ha- we have a big dinner with one another. That is also Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. So I'm going to talk about Sanctity of Human Life and how important it is that we be a church that stands up. Uh, against the evil that is abortion, and and we talk about that, and we have to be a church that does that. So, kids, babies will never reach youth if we don't stand up for sanctity of life. So that's kind of the tie-in. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that uh, this that Sunday on February thirteenth. Young adult activities. Bible trivia. February 19th, okay, perfect. Um, Also, Wednesday nights here at this church are awesome nights. If you uh, would like to come, if you never came on Wednesday nights, we have dinner every Wednesday night with one another at 6 p.m., and then our classes start at 6.45. We have an adult class up here that's been very interactive, We've uh, good discussions. We have youth classes and children's classes uh, all on Wednesday night. The classes start at 6.45, dinner at 6 p.m. So that's all I had on announcements. Did I forget anything? Anything else on announcements? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's enter our time of worship before we jump into God's word together. Let's bless our morning offering today, uh, and then we'll worship our Lord in song. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, again, just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, and to preach your word. And thank you for the busy schedule that we have over the next couple of months, Lord. I just pray uh, for all those activities. And Lord, as we enter our time of worship today, it starts with our giving and Lord, we want to give you the best. And so take this, Lord, use it to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be shared to the far reaches uh, of this earth. Lord, let us as a church be a church here in our local community that is reaching those who don't know you, that don't have a personal relationship with you, and that are that's speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love because we love, we love your creation, God. We love our neighbors, Lord, and the most important thing is that they end up with you. And so, Lord, us sharing that truth of who you are with them. So, Lord, bless us today. Lord, in all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise 
guys. All right, second graders and below, if they'd like to go down to Children's Church this morning, they can. Uh, for us, please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 29. We're going to be in 18 through 29 of 1 John chapter 2. But I'm actually only going to read one verse. So I said, I start off studying and going through this stuff, guys, and there's just a lot in the first verse, okay? So I'm titling this, um, I guess, kind of sermon is Truth or Lies Part 1, because I only got through one verse. So we may have part two, three, four, I don't know, but there's a lot here in this verse that we need to talk about, we need to explain, and it's very, very practical uh, for our lives, exactly where we are and where we're living uh, today. So 1 John 2 Verse 18, we'll be in the whole passage through 29 uh, for, for a, a little while, but let's just start with 18. It says, children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the time I got to spend studying this uh, verse this week, and uh, Lord, there is a lot here, and, and sometimes we can just very easily skip over some of these things. And uh, Lord, um, we are in the last hour, I believe that, and there are many antichrists all around. And so Lord, as we work through this today, Lord, I pray that the truth of who you are is revealed to everyone here. That we have a, a sense of urgency in knowing that it is the last hour and that there are a whole lot of people in this world that have never heard about you, including our neighbors down the street who have a wrong idea of who you are, and, and, and Lord, we, uh, we need to love people enough to share the truth with them uh, in kindness and in love. And so, Lord, we glorify you today. We thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we are back in 1 John as we work our way through the book. Um, and this text really just goes along with some of the discussions that we have been having in the Wednesday night class. And so I do encourage you to come and join us. It's a lively discussion um, but just a quick review as we wrap up kind of the love of the world. Uh, we talked about the love of the world and how we must be separate from the evil systems that are of the world. Uh, we must live in the world, but as a light for Christ, that people know that there's something different about us. Uh, we saw and we talked about that God changes our citizenship. Uh, what a privilege. And, and, and I've uh, had some dealings this week that it's even more of a privilege and an honor after some of the things I, I've went through the last couple of days in, in ministry. Um, what a privilege and an honor it is that we are citizens of the United States of America, that we have freedom, that we live in the country that we live in. 
And, and we should take that uh, seriously and our responsibilities here seriously in defending what our founding fathers stood up for. But as much as I love our country uh, and I love our freedoms that we have and, and all the things, that the benefits that we have for living here, that citizenship pales in comparison to the citizenship that we have in heaven for all eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's just nothing compared to that. Uh, so, and we closed out with the love of the world systems. Uh, and if you love the world systems, that, that shows that you really don't love Jesus. Because those things are at odds with one another. They are enemies of, of one another. So in our text today, we go on uh, in this, this, this passage from uh, John. And there's a clear warning here. It says that we're living in the last hours and that antichrists are coming. So up to this point, what has John done? He's warned the church body about the conflict that's happening between light and darkness, love and hatred. If you remember probably a couple of months ago, as slow as I'm going through this, we talked about that. Uh, now he's warning us about another conflict. And that conflict is between truth and error. Truth and error. Truth and falseness. Uh, it's not just enough for a believer to walk in light and love. We have to walk in truth. We have to have the truth of what we believe. We have to understand uh, salvation is not hard. Salvation is extremely easy for someone to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, but let me say that the world has a real problem with that. The world has an extreme problem of walking in truth. They don't want truth. They want the measure, the world wants the measure to believe how sincere you are about what you believe. As long as you're sincere, as long as you're sincere in what you believe, it's okay. That's what the world says. And that is a personal philosophy of just many people today. Well, if you think about that, if sincerity is the magic ingredient that makes something true, well, that should be, be able to be applied to every area of our life. So I thought about some examples. What about a nurse? A nurse at the hospital. We have some nurses here. They give medicine to a patient, and that patient becomes violently ill. Well, the nurse was sincere that she was trying to help them. What was wrong? The medicine was wrong. The patient gets severely sick. I thought about this, and somebody who likes to go out and hunt. Uh, turkey season is coming up here in April in a couple of months, and I love going turkey hunting, but it's actually one of the most dangerous times to be a hunter because people get turkey fever. And, and, and what they'll do is they'll be out in the woods, and you have to get turkeys close enough to you, and everybody's got camouflage on. Well, what happens is, and we're all using mouth calls and box calls and stuff to sound like turkeys. Well, then what, what's, what can easily happen is you don't attract a real turkey. If you, if you make calls like I do, you usually don't attract real turkeys. You can, you can attract other people. And that's when people get shot. And so a hunter sitting in the woods thinks he sees a turkey walking through the woods. And he shoots. And somebody dies. He was sincere in thinking that he saw a turkey. But he didn't. So there has to be a truth. It, it takes more than sincerity to make something true. Faith in the wrong thing will always lead to you believing a lie. So it, it makes a difference what you believe. It absolutely makes a difference what you believe. I meant to warn her, but I'm going to pick on my sweet cousin this morning. And she's like, oh no. 
when my cousin was probably 16 or 17 years old, they lived in Springfield, and we didn't have MapQuest. A lot of you know this story. We didn't have MapQuest. We didn't have phones. And she lived in Springfield. She was a city girl. And she decided she wanted to come and visit us on one Saturday. That She wanted to come see how the hillbillies in Marshville lived out in the country, right? And so, so her, her and her sister decide, we're going to drive to Marshfield. Well, they decided to take 65 North and stay on 65 North to get to Marshfield. So instead of ending up in Marshfield, she ended up in Buffalo. Now, she was sincere in her idea that she was heading to Marshfield, right? But she ended up in Buffalo. Now, listen, that wasn't the truth which way she was headed, right? So truth matters. What we put our faith and we, we put, and I'm sorry to pick on you, okay? Not really, but uh, okay. What we put our faith in matters if we don't believe in the right thing. Listen, this is why John 14, 6 should be a verse that you think about and have memorized. And it's a verse that I quote quite often. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's one truth. So in our text today, John explains some consequences of turning from the truth. He did this with a couple of statements. The first one is the last hour. So let's, let's focus on the last hour. And, and, and the second one is the Antichrist. But both of these statements make us aware that as Christians, we are living in a time of crisis. We are living in a time where there's a whole bunch of error. We are living in that time. The last time or last hour that is used in this passage, it is used as a term to remind us that God has, been, has brought a new age into the world. He has brought a new age in. All of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament was preparing the way for Christ's work on the cross. It was all pointing towards Jesus. All of history... Since that time, since Jesus' death on the cross, has now been preparing us for what? For his return. So when, when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish his kingdom. There is nothing else that God has to do for salvation of sinners. Jesus completed that work on the cross. When he completed that work, now we're in a new age where we're looking forward to the last hour, the last time when Christ is going to come back. The last hour in John's time and the last hour today are the same. Now you say, well, how is that? That doesn't make any sense. Well, God is not bound by time the same way that we are. God is above time. Here's a passage for you. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So this last hour, it started in John's time, and it's continuing today until Jesus comes back. They had to deal with false teachers in John's day. And we do too. We do too. Now, that's why it's important for you to know what you believe and why you believe it. 
That's exactly why we're having the class on Wednesday night. So you can understand and have understanding of who the biblical truth says that Jesus is. There are many, and we've talked about this, there are many that will say, if I ask them, do you know Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? They will say yes. And they are believing in a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. So we have to have an understanding of who Jesus is. So, take a step back here. Latter times in Scripture, or the last times, are described in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, if you would. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It gives us an idea of what the last times look like, or the last hour. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, let's break it down here a little bit. People devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. So what was happening? Many false teachers were, were, were forbidding people eating meat. And marriage, and, and, and neglecting marriage. Don't get married and don't eat meat as a way to promote true holiness with God. So they were saying, do these things and you will have true holiness with God. Well, the, there's a big time problem with that. And, and it relates to today just the same. That isn't the kind of holiness that is required of man. What is required of man? A pure heart is what scripture says. A pure heart. That's Psalm, Psalm 24, 3 through 5. Psalm 24, 3 through 5. It says this. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So, so let's break this down. Let's make it where it's really easy to understand. So there were false teachers that were, that were thinking that they could make themselves holy by doing things. They were teaching that if you don't eat meat and you don't get married, then you'll be true, you'll have true holiness before God. And what was happening? They were teaching this false gospel. They were teaching a gospel of works. And what they were doing was leading people down a false path. They were leading people to hell. All right, so there's one thing that is common in all cults, false religions. There's one thing that's common. That true biblical Christianity doesn't do. They promote. Anybody know? Interactive sermon today. Anybody know? What is common in all false religions and cults? They promote what? Works-based salvation. That true biblical Christianity does not do. Listen, if someone tells you that you have to do things in order to be made right in God's eyes, to be saved, they are promoting a teaching of demons. 
They are promoting a teaching of demons. What does scripture say? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is why it's important we talk about this. Because there's a lot of false teaching out there that says you got to do things. We just had an awesome thing happen this morning, right? What, what did we do? We had baptism. Did you know that baptism does not save you? But there are many people that teaches that baptism is a part of salvation. That is a works-based salvation. What does the Bible say? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your, doing, your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that mo, no one may boast. You know, Paul takes this thought even further. He even takes it even further in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So flip over there real quick. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you would who, who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. So what is the yoke of slavery that, that he's talking about in verse 1? It's the curse of the law. It's the curse of the law. It's trying to keep the law, trying to do things in order to be made right in God's eyes. He's talking about works-based salvation. He uses the example of that, of circumcision. You have to do this in order to be a part of God's family. You have to do something in order. You have to be baptized. You have to be a member of the church. You need to pray every day. You need to read your Bible every day to be made right in God's eyes. That's a false gospel. That's a gospel of demons. What you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That his work on the cross saved you. You put your faith and trust in him. Faith is not a work. Belief is not a work. Now that I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he is my Lord and my God. Now I want to be obedient in being baptized. I want to read my Bible every day because I want to know more about the God that saved me. I want to pray. I want to serve. I do those things because I love Jesus. Not to be made right in his eyes. If you try to do works to be saved, it says Christ is of no advantage to you. You are obligated to keep the whole law. And you are severed from Christ and falling away from grace. That means if any religion, any religion says you have to be a member of the church to be saved. You have to be baptized to be saved. You have to go to confession to be saved. It's a false religion. It's false. That's not what the gospel says. That's not what the Bible says. It says through faith are you saved by God's grace, not by any work. Only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in his work on the cross. Faith that he died for your sins. That he rose again and defeated death. Belief in that. Faith alone in Christ alone is the only thing that can save you. That's it. Now, you may say, man, we talk about this a lot. 
I mean, why do you talk about false religion and doctrine and, and false religions? Why do, you, why do you even call them out publicly? I want to tell you why. I want to answer your question before you maybe asking it or even think it. It gives us some qualifications for church leaders in Scripture. And this is one of them. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. It says this. Speaking about uh, overseers or elders, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. It is the responsibility of the church leaders to teach sound doctrine and to rebuke false teaching. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to protect the flock. It's your responsibility as leaders in your house, to protect your children against false doctrine. Acts chapter 20. Flip over to Acts real quick. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Be alert. Be ready. There are false doctrines and wolves that are seeking on Satan's behalf to pull people away and destroy them. We talked about this in a little conversation after a Wednesday night class. But do you know the number one, the number one denomination that will join the Mormons? that joins the Mormon church, guess where they come from? Catholics. The Catholics. You know why? Because so many people don't know what they believe. And somebody will knock on their door and say, hey, come talk to me about this. And they'll open the Book of Mormon and they'll talk to them. And in the Book of Mormon, in 2 Nephi 25-23, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. After all you can do. What is that? Look it up, 2 Nephi 25, 23. Test me, look it up. That's what it says. That's a works-based salvation. It's a false doctrine because people don't know what they believe. It's our responsibility. We must be on alert for this kind of stuff. How do we know that it's the last hour? Look around our world. Look at all the false religions and teachings that are denying, promoting that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. You hear it all the time. It's not even acceptable in our society anymore, in America, for a preacher to stand up here and say what I'm saying today. In other countries, they'd throw me in jail. In other states, they would say I'm promoting hate because I say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's not even accepted in our society anymore. You know why? Because it's of the world. Satan is promoting false doctrine. We have we have to stand firm. Remember when Paul says, stand firm, therefore, and don't submit to the yoke of slavery? Stand firm. We must stand firm in that we, we share that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
That's it. Think about all the spiritual meditation, the self-help, the get in, get, in, get in touch with your inner self garbage that's out there. That's why we have to promote truth. All of that teaching of, of self-help, of, of works-based salvation, it's teaching from demons to replace the truth of Jesus Christ. And we must stand firm and not fall for it. Alright, here's the second thing. And I'll, I'll be quicker through this. It says, Antichrist have come. What is that? Go back and read our verse, 1 John 2.18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. I want to make sure we understand what this term means. Because you hear about this in several different contexts. Well, this, this term, Antichrist, is only used by John in Scripture. And it's used, by, it's used three different ways. Number one, it talks about the spirit in the world that is opposed or denies Christ. So anything or anyone that denies the Lord Jesus Christ and is opposed to him is an enemy of God and they are anti-Christ. They're against God. They're against Christ. They're against Jesus. It also describes the false teachers that embody this spirit, that teach this, that will go out and, and, and try to lead people astray, the leaders that do this. And the third way is a person who will head up the final world rebellion against Christ. That's probably the most familiar that everyone associates us with in the book of Revelation. But the spirit of the Antichrist has been in the world ever since Satan declared war on God back in Genesis chapter 3. It's been there. It is behind every false doctrine, every religious substitute for faith alone and Christ alone. Any way that we can get people off course, any way that they can get them from not trusting in Christ alone for their salvation. Satan's goal is to offer any substitute for faith in Jesus. Anything. And you know, and here's the thing. He is going to want it to look so close to the truth. Satan does not appear as a, a, a described in scripture as some guy with a pitchfork with horns and fangs and he is an angel of light that appears so close to the truth, but isn't. There are two forces at work right now in spiritual battle, right now in the last hour. You have truth, the Holy Spirit working through the church, sharing the gospel of Christ, what we should be doing, sharing the truth, the Holy Spirit working in your heart, you sharing the gospel with people, we standing on the truth of who Jesus is. And then you have evil, you have false that's working through Satan to lead men astray. Listen, this last hour, this isn't some physical conflict. Like, you're, I, I, I hope, I pray that's not the case, but you could potentially see a pretty bad war happening very shortly in Europe and around this world because of the weakness of some of our leaders. That potentially you could see that very much happening. I'm not talking about a physical battle though this morning. I'm talking about a spiritual battle for the heart and souls of men. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Everything, when we look out there, everything that we see in our world today that is sinful, that's evil, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's, it's all, it's war with Satan. It's war. Spiritual war. We're told in that same chapter that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should put on the whole armor of God. Just the verse before that, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I, I don't have the time this morning to cover the whole armor of God. We may do that later on in the coming weeks or, or months. But I can sum up the whole armor of God like this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have faith in him. Have faith in the work that he did on the cross. Have faith in his resurrection. Professing him as your Lord and your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus, there is no armor. Without Jesus, Satan attacks. With Jesus, you can stand firm. Your weapon is this. Your weapon is the truth of this. I can't tell you enough to know what this says. To know what this Bible says. About who Jesus is. You know when Satan tempted Jesus. What did he do? He's, Jesus is God Almighty. He could have said get away from me. I don't have time for you. Right? He could have done that in a breath. And Satan would have been gone. Because God is over. He's in charge. What did he do? He gave us an example. He quoted scripture. When he was faced with Antichrist. The anti-God. When he was faced with false teaching that Satan was distorting scripture, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture back to Satan. That was, he used this as a weapon. We must too. We must too. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have a solid foundation. Listen to me, you have to know why you believe what you believe. I'm telling you, parents, I used to be I used to be in youth ministry, and I'm telling you, I wasn't that good. I'm just being honest. I didn't do a very good job, being honest with you about that. I didn't teach them enough about how to defend why we believe what we believe. And the statistics say that 7 out of 10 go to college, and they leave the church, and they never come back. Because their relationship with the Lord was coming for an hour every Sunday, except when they came. Because mom and dad said I had to be there. And they went to college. And they left. And somebody who's an atheist, who's an antichrist, questioned scripture. And they didn't know how to defend it. They couldn't fight back. Because they didn't know why they believed what they believed. They didn't have belief. Their belief was based on mom and dad. And we just go to church because in Marshfield, Missouri, in the middle of the Midwest, you go to church. And you say that you love Jesus. It has to be more than that. We have to teach our kids more than that. Because I'm telling you, it's a spiritual battle. And antichrists are coming for you, your kids. I saw a song. It's the most disgusting, disturbing thing I think I've ever watched. It was promoted by, I don't even want to get the name, I don't even remember the name exactly, but by a gay choir from San Francisco went all over the, the internet. They, they, they were 
came together and they made this song. And you know what the song said? We'll convert your children. We'll convert your children. We're coming for your children. And you know what? Parents are sitting back. We live in the Midwest. It's great. It's war. It's spiritual war. Be on guard. Be alert. They're coming for you. Are you ready for that fight? We as the church have to stand true. We have to stand for the truth. We are in the last time. We are in the last hour. We are there. We have to stand on the truth because they're coming. Are you ready? If you're not ready, here's what you do. You get down on your knees this morning and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I have taken, uh, you have saved me. And I'm talking about my brothers and sisters. You have saved me and I have not pursued you like I should in reading your word. I need to be, as a leader, how can I make a defense to my children? How can I go to war for them in a spirit? I guarantee you guys, all my Second Amendment dudes that all are packing right now, if I go to your house and try to break into your house and put a ski mask on me, I'm not going to get through the front door without getting blown apart by all your guns. Because you're going to protect your family. Am I right? Am I speaking the truth? Yes. But... We have so many that are that hardcore staunch supporters don't know anything about spiritual battle. And Satan is coming in the front door and you're inviting it in. How about we get more on guard for that than we do the guns? Because everybody knows we're not breaking anyone's house at Crossbridge because we're they all got guns. It's all cool. That's okay. That's good. But they're breaking into your house to steal your kids' souls. And you're letting them. You're letting them. I'm just speaking the truth this morning. You better get with it, guys. We be, me too. I'm a parent too. Me too. We better get serious about this. This is a spiritual battle. And it's not going away. So what do you do? Get down on your knees this morning and say, Lord, forgive me that I have not been obedient in reading your word. That I've not been obedient in getting my kids to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Listen to me. You're the leader. I'm talking to all the parents here. Until they get married and move out of your house, they are your responsibility. The most important thing you can do is make sure they grow spiritually. You're the parent. Parent. Like somebody who loves Jesus. You get down on your knees and say, forgive me, Lord. For not praying for my kids. Forgive me for not taking your word serious. I want to change. I want to change this today. I want to go into battle. Just like I would go into battle if somebody broke into my house. I want to go into battle spiritually for my family. And you take it serious. And you know what? I love our Lord Jesus Christ. Because whenever we repent and turn to him. Oh, he just welcomes us with open arms. And he forgives us. And he renews us. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today for the first time and you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the last hour. I believe that. Maybe you're lost. I pray this morning. I pray that today's the day that you are saved. Here's the last verse. It's James 4, 7. It says this. 
It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What is submission? When I walk in my house as the, the pack leader, right? We have a whole bunch of dogs now, which I never thought my wife would be a dog lover. You know what our dogs do when I, when I walk in? You know what dogs do when they submit? They roll over on their back. And they show you their stomach. I usually have scratch marks on my back. They're submitting to the pack leader, right? Well, you know what this says? Submit yourselves to God. How do you do that? I don't want to see people rolling over on their back here. But, but you get down on your knees in reverence to God and say, you are my Lord. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? With this word. So my question is, do you need to submit to God? As my brother and sister of Christ, or as somebody who is sitting here lost today? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to pray this morning. If you need to come, get down on your knees and submit yourself to God. Be ready to go into spiritual war. You, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, we're there. We're there. Whether you want to believe that there's spiritual battle happening or not, there is. There is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. I thank you, God, that you give us these so much here in this one verse that we can talk about and think about and pray about and submit to you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we're a church that is ready as a church body and as leaders, as elders, as deacons, that we are ready to be in battle for you. And that battle is preaching the truth of who you are. And when we submit to you and we submit to that, Satan flees. So I pray this morning, God, that we're a church that stands for the truth, the truth alone and Christ alone and you. That's it. I pray, Lord, for our parents and our families in our community. There is so much evil and anti-Christ out there. I pray, God, that they are taking this spiritual battle just as serious as they would as somebody breaking in their house with a gun. Lord, I pray for our body. I pray for our country. I pray for salvation for the leaders of our country. Lord, only I believe through you can we have a change. Lord, in all things, we love you and we worship you. In your name I pray.
right, I want to thank you for joining us today and worshiping with us. Here's our, our, our benediction. Uh, I hope it brings uh, some, some, I don't know, just some fire you up as you leave here, right? Uh, it's John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, Jesus' words here are in the present tense. Not only do we have eternal life in heaven waiting on us for all my brothers and sisters here today, but we have life in him abundantly now. So have joy in the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Enjoy the things of God. Have joy in your salvation in him. I'm going to ask Max Hartman if he would close us in prayer uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've come and we've heard your word and been inspired and commissioned to go out in this world and, and be ready for the battle, the spiritual battle that's out there. And you come and manifest your coming and we have to know the truth, we have to believe it, and we have to know how to defend it. And just thank you for our pastor that leads us that way. And as we go out this door, help us to be a good influence in our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.